We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome into this edition of Mind on My Money, presented by Pinnacle. I'm Neil McCready, Martin Paloma with me, as always here today. It's a uh, Thursday, our second podcast of the week. We're going to catch up a little bit here on Mind on My Money. We'll, uh, we'll talk about a number of different things. I've got, I want to get Martin's thoughts on uh, on a pretty big sports-related story that I have a suspicion he's interested in as well. So we might talk about that. A good bit. We'll keep this show kind of short. Uh, don't forget Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. We tell you about it all the time. If you're in the market for a vehicle, get in touch with Corey. At least let him uh, steer you in the right direction from a, um, a price point standpoint moving forward. And if you're looking for a Ford, I highly recommend Clark Ford. And Martin, what's going on at uh, Pinnacle before we get rolling? Yeah, man. Uh, just kind of like we talked last time, it's summertime. Um, folks kind of take a little bit of a break. Our clients are traveling with their kids and vacationing and whatnot. So it's a good time for, you know, folks that, uh, maybe haven't chatted with an advisor before. If you want to get a second opinion, see if it makes sense for us to, uh, to work together. Now's a, uh, a great opportunity, um, to get on the calendar and folks can reach us, um, old-fashioned telephone 601-957-0323 or can email at info at mypinnwealth.com all right we we said we'd get into some politics we might end up getting into it in just a minute some polls that are out it's kind of hard to find polling that i really trust just yet because there's still seven months out from the iowa caucus and so some of the polling data today is it's so big picture that it's hard to know how much, how much of it you believe. Although there is a, there is the one big question in there's two questions in politics right now that are interesting to me. And then we'll get, then we'll get to the Leo Messi, Lionel Messi story. The two questions in politics that are interesting to me are this, 
one, obviously Donald Trump is the prohibitive leader. Um, if I'm, I'm looking at real clear politics here, uh, yep. uh, Trump leads DeSantis by 31 points. Uh, Nikki Haley is at 4.4. Uh, Mike Pence is at 3.8. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy is at 2.6. Tim Scott's at uh, two at 1.6. Glenn Youngkin is at one. I mean, those are all just you know, from Haley all the way down to Youngkin and anyone else that's in the in in the in the polling. They're just they're, they're just non-existent, right? I mean, and 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 in some of these polls, Trump leads even bigger than that. Um, and then my second question that's interesting to me is why Robert F. Kennedy Jr. isn't going to at least get a voice on the Democratic side. Why Why are there not going to be Democratic debates? You know, and, and does Robert F. Kennedy Jr. poll enough to not threaten Joe Biden, obviously, but does he poll enough that he scares the Democrats into making a change on their ticket like with Harris and could they even do that right I don't I don't I'm I'm interested in that so those are the two things one more than the other the 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 Trump thing to me Martin is just remains fascinating um yeah I'm, I just, I just can't understand that man it's like he defies gravity um and I don't know and here's here's my uh I guess limited knowledge on, on how all the polling stuff works. So when they're polling for Republican like nominations, or do, do you, do they ask the question on the front end? Like, Hey, are you a Republican or a Democrat? And then hit you with the, you know, questions next. Cause if that's true and it's just Republicans that are responding to Republican polls, I mean, Trump, would you say ahead 33? Is that what, 30 plus let's yeah. just say 30 plus is Trump, uh this is, is just wild man i'm i'm looking for the most recent all right so i'll i'll throw some at you um all right morning consult june 2nd through 4th has trump up 34 and again i don't it's too early to dive into too much of this rasmussen reports has trump up 28 over desantis um, yep. Premise, and I don't know what that is, has Trump up 57 over Tim Scott. Um, has Trump up 29 over DeSantis. I mean, I mean, Trump with just monumental leads. I'm looking for the smallest Trump lead. And, and the, the smallest one is Yahoo has Trump up 24 over Ron DeSantis, the the Florida governor, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, when they put him up against uh, Christie or Youngkin or Haley or Pence, the numbers go up into the plus fifty somethings, you know, um, plus sixty seven over uh, Christie, the former New Jersey governor. Um, so I guess I mean Chris Christie is what I, I was looking for. First names, I couldn't think of his first name for a minute. There, it's Chris Christie. No worries. Is so, and we don't have any. I mean, obviously, we're we're uh, you know a year and some months away from the actual, um, you know, general election. 
but it's I just can't believe that Trump is going to pull a you know a 180 and pick up the middle you know independent voters that he lost significantly like I mean I wouldn't think that this go around he would lose even more than he probably lost uh you know in the last time yeah I and think if so too the Republican strategists are trying to win I just can't, I mean I'm wondering what the conversations look like around the table there where they're saying hey we think that trump can win in the general and i would i would love to know the why behind that or what they think behind it because i just i mean and i may be missing something completely dude but i it's just really hard for me to 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 assemble that puzzle and make it look like it's supposed to so here's what's interesting also is that joe biden the president of the united states as of this morning, has a disapproval rating of 54.8. 54.8% of the people polled uh, disapprove of Joe Biden. 40.9% approve of him, which leaves 5 6% that said they didn't care. Um, Kamala Harris, the, uh, the vice president of the United States, uh, 56% disapprove of her, only 36.7% approve of her. So that leaves some 8% that didn't have an opinion. I mean, they're wildly unpopular. And yet, in just about any national ballot, they still beat Trump. New York Post, uh, I was looking at a New York Post story, and I'm trying to find it again. Real quick, uh, here it is, I think. Let's see. Um, I, I don't have it yet. Um, it, but it's... Trump doesn't... Trump doesn't beat Biden in polling. People, the, the, the people that have made up their mind on Donald Trump have made up their mind. Right. You know, I mean... And I don't know that there's going to be anything that's going to change. For I mean, I don't know what he could do different in the next, let's call it what, so 12 and 5. What's well, uh, not even that? It's, yeah, it's, so, so it's 17 months. 17 till, months, yeah. Until the election. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, look, a lot of things could happen in 17 months. Let's be, let's be crystal clear here. We have a, we have a, a race between two men that if, if this goes by the chalk, it'll be an 82-year-old man that I don't think anyone believes is particularly healthy against a 78-year-old man that's obese. Um, yeah. Well, he is. I mean, he's overweight. I mean, you know, if you if you saw a 76-year-old man of Trump size walking around and someone goes, you know, think that guy's healthy, you'd say, no, he's kind of big for his age. He needs to be a little careful, right? So, I mean, something something could happen from a health standpoint, that's first and foremost. That could completely change the race. Then secondly, I mean, Trump's got all these legal issues. There's talk about a federal indictment. He's already under a indictment in New York State. He could get indicted in Georgia. You know, I, 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 I suspect there's just Trump fatigue. And yet the networks who are fighting just to stay relevant, to, to keep going. I mean, Trump takes the oxygen out of the room. I mean, Trump very clearly whether you love him or hate him trump gets ratings trump gets clicks 
And so the networks focus on Trump. Everything's about Trump, 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 Trump. And it's, I think it makes it very difficult for another candidate, whether it's Ron DeSantis or Tim Scott or Mike Pence or anyone else, Nikki Haley, it just makes it virtually impossible for them to get any kind of momentum from a coverage standpoint. Yeah, I mean, dude, and if this is all legit, I mean, we're set up for, we are set up for the continuation of the last four years. Um, yeah, and I'll I'll let you my, know, and, I'll let my bias slip in here. Um, four more years of this, what we've had the last two and a half years, frankly, is frightening. Yeah, I mean we're we're late we're late on this today because I pulled up my bank account this morning as I usually do, and my monthly taxes had come out. My they you know they'd run my payroll tax and I'd paid my, and I had to call my accountant and go, hey, is this right? And the the answer is, yeah, it's right. I mean, they've raised taxes considerably over the last year or so, they being Congress. And we're paying as a society, I'll say it, and people get mad at me as you want to. I'm I'm cool. It doesn't matter, you can get mad if you want to. I'm 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 I you'd like to ever come on the show and tell me why I'm wrong, send me a message and Martin, I'll put you on the show. Um, I will, I promise. Um we're paying for all these things. We're, we're, we're paying billions, I think, billions for this this war that we don't really completely understand. We've got essentially an open southern border. We've got crises all over the place. Taxes are going up. The national debt keeps going up. We just punted the debt ceiling down the road a little bit. If the answer to all of this is, well, we'll just take the people who pay taxes and keep raising the taxes. As one of the people who pays the taxes, I find it to be distressing. And no, I don't want to pay more taxes. I, I don't. As a, as a citizen, if I'm being completely honest, I, I, I don't really want to keep paying for some of the stuff that we're all having to pay for. I, I, if, if we were making household decisions, we would be cutting some spending. Correct. You know, well, it's just like us. It's like I said to you, I guess pre-show, you know, I mean, I'm, and I'm guilty of having months where, where Jen and I overspend and in, in the household and some of it for unexpected things. And, but a lot of them are just, you know, things that we say, okay, hey, we're going to spend some cash on this. And, and then the months after will be me continuing probably Jen probably gets sick of it, but me continuously telling her, Hey, we can't spend, we got to stop. We got to slow down. We can't do this. We can't do that. And, and then we'll, you know, once we kind of catch up, we get back to normal, but that's not how, and I guess really the, t the two options that I have is if I don't want to stop spending, I've either got to make Jennifer go get additional income or I've got to go find additional income. And that's what the, that's what our government did was they said, Hey, we're unwilling to stop spending. So instead of having some type of austerity, um, we're just going to, we're just going to make more money, but their only form of making more money is to extract it from you and I. And I'll make fun of Republicans here. I'm a pragmatic guy. I think you know that after dealing with me for all these years, Martin. I'm, yeah, I'm just kind of well, a, four or five years, yeah. Here's just kind of how I see things, and I, I look at things logically and outcome-based. And If I'm going into a football game, I want to win the game. Yep. Okay? Now, if I got to run it every play, I'm going to run it every play, even though I, 
I love throwing the ball over the field. Love it. Let's throw it all over the field. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. It is exciting, yeah. Yeah, I love it when the receivers make big plays and they do their dance in the end zone and all that. It's fun. Yeah, a run play for three or four yards every play is not exciting. But if the way I win the game is running the ball three yards in a cloud of dust, I'm in. I, I totally understand, man. I, get I love it. winning. I love winning, and I want to win. I'd rather win ugly than lose pretty. So yeah. I say that to say this. In a late March poll by Beacon Research, Shaw & Company Research, on behalf of Fox News, 72% of Republican registered voters said a candidate's views on the issue were more important than their chances of winning the general election, while just 17% said the opposite. Similarly, mm. Two surveys by YouGov and The Economist in April and May each found 63% of Republican adults prioritized backing a candidate they agreed with on the issues, while fewer than 30% prioritized the candidate's general election chances. And an April poll from the University of Georgia's School of Public and International Affairs found likely GOP voters in Georgia felt it was more important to nominate a candidate who shared their views on key issues than choosing one with a strong chance of defeating Biden, 46 to 34 percent, although a meaningful chunk, 18 percent, volunteered to the pollsters that they valued them equally. See, this is where I'm different than those people. As a Republican voter, I just want to beat Biden. Yep. I, want, I want Biden. Not, this isn't personal. I want him out. I don't want him reelected. I don't like his, I don't like, I don't, there's nothing I like about him. There's literally nothing, but I don't want him in the office. And I'll be completely frank. I fear something happening to him and she becoming president because she appears to be incompetent. Yes. And so it has nothing to do with her race or her sex. Nothing. For the record, the candidate that I catch myself liking the most is Tim Scott. I I, I catch my from who do I like the most? I I like I like Scott a lot. When he talks, I kind of catch myself nodding my head, yes. Um, but I I want to vote. I want I, I want to vote for the Republican that I think can win, and I don't believe, and I've said this all along. If he proves me wrong great. I don't believe Donald Trump can win a national election. I, I, I just don't. He, he, he barely won in 2016 against a historically awful candidate who ran a terrible campaign. She ran an arrogant, assumptive campaign. She's, she's unlikable, Hillary Clinton. Um, and a lot of people went out and voted against her and voted for Trump because they didn't want her to win. Four years later, Donald Trump lost to a candidate who basically hid in a bunker who wasn't particularly popular and was not the kind of guy that motivated people. This was not Ronald Reagan. This was not Barack Obama. This was not someone who who, who was a captivating person who motivated people to go vote for him. In, in 1980, people went to vote for Ronald Reagan. In 2008, people went to go vote for Barack Obama. They weren't voting against John McClain. McCain, not McClain. You know what I mean? 
they weren't voting against uh, Mitt Romney in 2012. There weren't people that were passionately motivated to go out and vote against Mitt Romney, but there were people who were motivated to vote against Hillary Clinton. And in 2020, a record number of people, in my opinion, turned out to vote Donald Trump out of office. And so four years later, you're going to get enough of those people to reverse course. Feels yeah, that's insanity. That's I mean, insanity, it feels man. Un- yeah, it, it feels insane to me. The idea of that does, doesn't, and this isn't about Trump. This isn't about whether Trump was mistreated. This isn't about any of that. It's just a pragmatic approach to, do we really believe that that percentage of people who maybe voted for him in 16 and voted against him in 20 are going to turn around in 24 and vote for him? It's hard for me to believe that. No, I mean, and, and the, I want to say the surprising piece, but I mean, I'm, the American public stops surprising me when, <laughs> you know, when we, uh, when we, when we elected Trump. Um, but the part where the 72% of the people say they don't care of whether he can win or not, that they care about the issues, which I agree, I do care about issues too but uh, that's kind of like that whole thing of would you rather have a hundred percent of zero or would you rather have you know ten percent of a hundred um i would rather you know get someone that is and i i mean i don't know that there's a ton of i mean let's just talk about trump and desantis from a policies standpoint I don't know that there's anything that's so drastically different, you know, in their views. I think they kind of, uh, you know, both of them are big on economics. Um, uh, you know, it's funny. They both say, you know, less government control yet. Uh, DeSantis kind of shot himself on the foot with that one, with his fight with, with, uh, with Disney. Cause he did exactly <laughs> what, uh, most Republicans you know, disagree with, which is use utilize political power to influence a company or the private sector. Um, but you know, I don't think that there's going to be something so drastic between the two of them where I couldn't, where I would say, well, you know, I'm just looking at policies. I'm unwilling to, to vote for one or the other. Cause they're, they aren't drastically different. Whereas the policies of DeSantis slash Trump versus Biden are drastic enough where I'm saying, hey, that is a policy difference, so I need to get the guy out that I disagree with completely on policy and at least get one of my people in that I can agree on most you know, of the policies. And truth be told is, hell, the election, all the stuff that they talk about during the election cycle, they don't, most of the time they never get, you know, uh, but a small percentage of that passed or put into law. Other than Trump did install a significant amount of judges uh, and stack the courts during during his presidency, I will give him I will give him that, and I liked his economic policy too. I will reiterate, and I'm I'm going to use a source here, uh, Elaine Kemark, who is the founding director for the Center for Effective Public Management and a senior fellow for governance studies at the Brookings Institute. I have no idea whether that's conservative liberal in between i don't know i think they're what are they i think they're a dc think tank right that's correct yeah so again i don't know their 
political bias or if they have a political bias. I, I don't know. This is well-written, though. She writes about how there's three stages in a um, in, in the in the presidential nomination process. She says we're in stage one right now, the so-called invisible primary. This lasts from the spring of 2023 until the first votes are cast in February 24. Mm -hmm. during, during the invisible primary, a lot of important things happen. Candidates raise money, they build campaign staffs, they hone their appeals to the party faithful, and a lot of early conclusions are drawn, often incorrectly. Frequently, the candidate with widespread name identification is the winner of these early polls and goes on to win the nomination. And by most measures, she says, Trump is winning the invisible primary, which is good news for him. However, she writes, he is not home free. Trump is not your ordinary front runner. He's been indicted and may face more indictments before the Republican convention next summer. He is doggedly stuck to cultivating his base, which, while intense and loyal, is not likely to carry him in a general election. I couldn't agree more. While he yep. is loved, he is also hated, meaning that he will certainly have problems in the general election. So, she writes, on to stage two of the process, the early primaries. This stage runs from late January or early February 2024 to March 4th, 2024, or whenever the day before the Super Tuesday is. In 2024, the early primary stage will consist of four states, Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina. Those four small states have very few delegates. In fact, out of the 1,234 delegates, someone will need to win the Republican nomination. These states in total only account for 138 delegates, or just 11% of the total needed to win. During this short period of time, she writes, perhaps only five or six weeks, Trump will be most at risk. In these weeks, someone needs to take the nomination away from him. This could mm. happen. This could happen if he performs below expectations. Many a frontrunner has stumbled in these states. As far back as 1968, President Lyndon Johnson won the New Hampshire primary with 48% of the vote, but Senator Gene McCarthy won a sizable enough percentage of the vote, 42%, that a few weeks later, Johnson decided not to run again. More recently, Hillary Clinton's supposed juggernaut to the nomination yep. was upset by a young African-American senator from Illinois Barack Obama, whose surprising win in the nearly all-white Iowa caucuses of 2008 turned the nomination into a long race, which Clinton ultimately lost. In these early contests, someone can catch fire, and when they do, they acquire the most valuable of presidential primary assets, momentum. But if Trump wins in the early candidates, a few candidates may stick around to split up the anti-Trump vote, as happened in 2016, and that will help him win. She, you know, she points out it's kind of a number of things. She says stage three of the process is, you know, th that uh, the three-month race for delegates, one in which you have to be able to compete in 46 states with different types of momentum. She points out that, you know, in in Bernie Sanders at one point had all the momentum, and he didn't obviously win. Yep. She points out that in June of 2015, the Republican frontrunner was Florida Governor Jeb Bush. And look what happened to him, she writes. He did poorly in the first three contests and never even made it to Super Tuesday. Um, and then she writes about how she says, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Electability matters in primary elections, and many a voter has voted their head over their heart in order to beat the other party. She says it was the electability issue. It's catapulted Biden from dead man walking in to Democratic nominee in <laughs> 72 hours in March of 2023. So I, her point is, ultimately, it's still so early that people can stick to their guns and go, yeah. no, I'm for Trump. I'm for Trump. I'm for Trump. I'm for Trump. And maybe there comes a point where people look at it and go, but he can't win. And if we get to that place, right, we're going to throw it. Man, we're throwing – hey, we're throwing the ball Saturday. We're throwing it everywhere. Yeah, but the way you beat this team is running the ball. Yeah. Well, six weeks out, yeah, but, man, we throw it. I mean, that's what we do. That's who we are. It's yeah, that's a, good, a good analogy, man. And as you get closer to the game, uh, you know what, hey, coach, let's, let's put in some of that power package we've been working with. Let's, let's, let's kind of put that in a little bit. You know, I mean – I want to see whether that's what happens. And if it does, look, DeSantis is off to a terrible start. I want to see, can he get his footing? And if he can't, is there anybody else in that field who can start to assemble some momentum? Yep. People look at him and go, you know, I'm a Trump guy, but he can't win. And I like so-and-so and I'm going to put, I'm going to put my head in front of my heart and I'm going to support so-and-so. Yeah, and, and some of the polls I looked at had, and I know they're all early stuff. They were general election polls with, uh, you know, Biden versus DeSantis. And I think that one may have been a Rasmussen poll or it may have been Economist. I can't remember which one. I'm not sitting in front of my computer right now. But it was had them tied. 
you know, uh, DeSantis and, and Biden. Um, but the ones that I saw that were, you know, Biden and Trump had, had Biden, Biden winning, um, you know, and I've, I, like you said, man, we're 17 months out. There's, there's, uh, your analogy for football was wonderful. You know, we're, we're talking about a game that's six weeks, six weeks away. We gotta, we've gotta beat the, we've gotta win next weekend before we can really start even thinking about, you know, the, the egg bowl, uh, you know, at, at the end of the year. So, uh, that was a great analogy and, and there is a lot of time and it's going to be really interesting, man, how things shake out. And, uh, you know, I hope for, I hope for the next four years we have, um, you know, some logic and insanity that is running our country. But uh, I don't know. I mean, certainly n- neither Trump nor Biden <laughs> provide either of those things. So we will, we will see, uh, we, we shall see what happens, sir. All right, let's switch. And I know we'll talk a lot about it in the next several months too oh, so. we're going to talk about it a lot because again the people go out I, I don't want to hear about politics politics don't matter no politics, yeah. matter. politics Every, the matters is everything everything unless you're willing to tell me that you don't care about your money and if you don't yep. care about your money that makes me wonder why you're listening to a podcast called mind on <laughs> <laughs> but true, true unless, fact, unless you can honestly say hey i just don't care about my money at which yeah. point okay Cool. Then it doesn't matter to you. But if if your money matters to you, no matter what side you're on or how you feel about it, politics matter. Yep. I agree with that. It's the wet part of the ocean, man. It touches everything. Um, maybe one of the most recognizable humans on the face of the earth. Uh, yep. Lionel Messi. Yep. Made a monstrous uh, decision yesterday in the world of soccer. He announced that he is going to be joining uh, Inter Miami. Almost, yep. said, I almost said Inter Milan. Inter Milan. <laughs> yes, it just it rolls off more, the tongue. Yep. Yeah. Inter, Inter it's like Mi- you're, it's like what you're supposed to say when you're talking about Messi or something like that. Not Inter Miami. He is joining Inter Miami, which is a member of Major League Soccer, which is the North American professional soccer uh, organization that has been absolutely gaining steam quietly yep. over the last year two years they have a, a major deal with apple um they're they're they've they've picked up momentum but look this is the biggest day by a gazillion for uh, mls it was a huge day for apple it's a huge day for adidas it was a, a just a, a huge day for professional soccer i'm curious to kind of get your thoughts on it what what's your reaction what does this mean for American soccer that Lionel Messi at the age of 35 with still lots of game left in his feet yep. is coming to America. Well, dude, it's funny. So my initial reaction was kind of disbelief. And I'm, I'm also really happy that he didn't sell out, um, you know, cause a lot of, he could have gone to the Saudi leagues. I mean, obviously that's what Ronaldo did. Ronaldo went for cash. Not that those guys need any more cash. I mean, they're, some of the highest, two of the highest paid professional athletes in the world. Um, you know, he didn't go to the Saudi league, which would have been, if we're being truthfully truthful about it, watered down, um, even more watered down than, you know, the MLS has a reputation of, um, you know, it's kind of funny 
we I can't believe we really haven't even talked to Ted Lasso at all uh, on the show for the last season. But, um, you know, Roy made his comments, and I think it was like season one where he talks about, you know, where he could go to America and just dominate. Uh, and I do, that's what Messi's going to do. He is going to, he's going to dominate. But I texted my son yesterday. I screenshotted the wall street journal and, uh, ESPN notifications both hit my phone at the exact same time. I, I screenshot it, circled it, texted it to him and said, road trip, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Because, you know, Truth be told is most of American, most Americans don't have access to go watch that live. Like you would need to fly to Spain. You would have needed to fly to Paris. You would have need, you would need to go to Europe to watch a match, watch like the man, the goat, the greatest of all time, you know, in living color. And we are going to be able to watch it. Now I did see there was a, uh, a statistic, or a dollar amount, and I can't remember exactly what they were, so I'm just going to pull them out of my my butt. You probably know what they are. But it was saying, like, you know, the tickets for the July 12th Inter-Miami match were maybe, like, I'm going to say, like, 50 bucks or something like that, pre-announcement of Messi coming to um, coming to Miami. And then now those tickets are, like, $500. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, like, that's the Messi impact. That's the impact that a guy like that, not only is going to have on, you know, Miami, and I mean, and look, David Beckham, kudos to that bro, man. He, uh, you know, was is not only an athlete, but apparently a pretty damn good business person to be able to take, uh, you know, an extension club like Miami, who doesn't even have their own, they don't even own their own stadium, dude. I think they leased their stadium from Fort Lauderdale. Um, that's right. And, you know, and it's kind of almost like a Jerry Jones-ish kind of deal where you know jerry jones bought the cowboys for what like 125 150 million something like that now the franchise is worth like eight billion dollars uh yeah. i mean i don't know if it's eight i just pulled a number out of my rear end but a lot I, of money it's worth a lot of money i think this is more about mls than it is about inter miami and when i say that i mean obviously this was an mls coup to get him. And I think that probably was, Hey, what franchise would make the most sense for him would be the most appealing to him would be the most appealing to his family. Sure. And that's where Miami came in. Right. I mean, yeah, I think it's either gotta be LA Miami or maybe New York, but I think you're, you're right. I mean, cause like when, 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 uh, Ibrahimovic came to LA, uh, you know, I, you're, you're spot on with that. It was, there weren't very many franchises that could. I mean, but LA was a huge developed franchise. Too. Miami is not a developed franchise. I mean, they're bottom of the table. Yes. Uh, so it's kind of funny. It's not for, you know, and even I think Messi said, like, this is not about money. I'm curious what it's about. Did, like, Ted Lasso have an impact on Messi? Is Messi going to come in and, and uh, you know, well, here's, and, what, I, here's and, what I wonder. And pull a Ted Lasso? Here's what I wonder. I wonder if Messi, who is probably approaching the point in his life where he has to start thinking about life after football, yeah, after soccer, football is life. Yeah, you know, but he's not going to play forever. Father time gets gets everybody. I mean, it's, yep, it, it will it will eventually even get Leo Messi. Yep. I wonder if he thinks 
you know what? I might be a pioneer here. This might be where this thing is headed. There might, this, this thing might be 20 years from now yeah. when I'm 55 years old. This thing might be a completely different thing because if you look at the growth of soccer in the U.S., and I, I'm I'm not one of the soccer geeks. Okay, there's a lot of people that are just obsessed with you know soccer is the best sport, and and, and those people are obnoxious. Um, <laughs> if if you take a step back and look at it though, popular sports in America among young people. Soccer's number two right now. Yeah. Um, and then fewer young people are playing American football. Yep. Now they still love it and they still yep. go to the games. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing the, I'm not trying to kill American football. No, I think I think it will always be king, man. But under that, there's there's room for a lot of growth. And yep. I think Messi looks at this deal with Apple and he sees the the way the sport's growing here. The World Cup is coming here. I'm, and I'm just going to tell people the World Cup tickets in 2026 are going to be a commodity. Yep. Um, it's And I hope I can get my hands on some. Well, I'm planning to somehow, some way. Um, yeah, I'll just mortgage the house. Yeah, whatever it takes. You know. um, <laughs> but I mean, I, I mean, we're all gonna. It's we're gonna have soccer crazy is going to take over this country. Oh and, yeah, for and, the summer, absolutely. You know, uh, my son Carson was telling me that the American U twenty team, I think, is right now mm -hmm. doing really well in the U twenty World Cup, which I didn't know was a thing and wouldn't have known it was a thing if I didn't have a soccer crazy person Kid. in my house. <laughs> yep. But you know, I've, I've also talked about this. Right? Is that this generation of young people, and there are tons of them who are growing up playing soccer, um, and and tons of females who yep. play tons of soccer and love it. Yep. And then and now it's uh, it's growing as a male sport. Um, I I remember uh, going to out. You were there because you were refereeing a game after this game. Carson's Oxford High School team played. Clinton yep. in, it was late November, early December, somewhere in there. And, um, Clinton won one to nothing. It was a good game. And, um, anyway, after the game, one of my subscribers kind enough to, uh, he was also a photographer for Clinton high school was kind enough to come over and say, Hey, I took some pictures of Carson. I'm gonna send them to you. And I was like, that's great. And really appreciate it. And then he said, uh, this was fun. And I was like, yeah, it was a really good game. It was a fun, fun game. And he said, you know, normally the the teams in North Mississippi aren't as good and and they're getting better. And I was like, that's great. You know, and I this is all still pretty new to me. And what I've discovered over time is that no, it's 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 clearly getting better and better and better. And right, you know, uh all over the country, the quality of boys' soccer is jumping. And we're producing more elite players. As a country, as a country, and which me, but getting back to my point was, look, Carson, my son's not going to play professional soccer. Probably not going to happen. But if you told me that in 15 years, when he's 31 years old and he's got a job and he's living in pick your city, yeah, Nashville, okay, Nashville, and there's he, he and his buddies can go in for season tickets. Yep, that they 
that becomes a fun thing to do to support that team, to go to their games, to, you know, hit the bar a couple hours before the the, the game and and then go to the game and, and watch Nashville play FC Cincinnati or sporting KC or Atlanta United or whoever. And then, you know, he and his buddies go have a, a beer afterwards and go about their, their, their lives. I, I think that's a pretty damn realistic thing. And yep. that that's what's happening with MLS. And if MLS can start getting, and it will be easier now because there's a generation of soccer players who grew up worshiping Messi. And that's the word. Yep. Worship, yep. Worshiping. Yep. Him. Posters are in their rooms. Uh, like that's their guy. They've got the jerseys. They've got his club jersey, his country jersey. Yep, guys uh, that totally. are guys that are twenty four, twenty five years old right now at the peak, at the beginning of the peak of their athletic prowess, who are playing in in England or Germany or Spain or or, or, or France or wherever. I promise you, in their circles today, Messi, who was when they were teenagers, was in his twenties. Yep, setting the world on fire. From a soccer yep. standpoint, they're, they're talking amongst themselves like, oh, that's a total game changer. Yep. MLS in their eyes went from, ha, no, man, I'm not going to go play there to. That's yeah, a Roy, Roy Kent. Oh, I'll, I'll go to America and I'll effing dominate. <laughs> yeah, it, it went from that to, yep. oh, well, that's at least on my radar yep. for six, seven years from now. And so when those kinds of players who absolutely have name value in this country because of our ability to stream La Liga and the English Premier League and Bundesliga and all of that stuff, because of our because of young people's ability to keep up with European players and, and South American players and African players, for their ability to keep up with those the, the world's elite players, when they come to America, they'll, they'll, then, and more will, it's just going to make that league more and more attractive. And at some point, that league has a chance to become mainstream. Yeah. Well, dude, I mean, we're just so many, you know, we're so far behind Europe with, you know, with the leagues. Uh, I mean, because MLS is still a, an infant relative to, you know, the Premier League, to La Liga, to Syria, to, uh, you know, League One. I mean, it's it's still in its infancy phase. Um, you know, we don't even really – I mean, we have the USL as, I guess, kind of like the equivalent of the Championship League for, you know, the English Premier League, except for we still don't have relegation and promotion. So we're still – we are still, you know, uh, behind – we're, 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 we're in our growth phase where I would say Premier League is – I'm not going to say it, it's plateau because I don't know that Premier League will – I think Premier League will always continue to be, you know, the NFL of, of you know, of the rest of the world's football. Um, but, you know, but we are, we are definitely in our, in our growth phase. And you're right, uh, a guy like Messi coming to – MLS is huge. I mean, Ibrahimovic, I thought was huge. Um, not so much a household name like Messi, but if you're a soccer person, you definitely know who the beak is. That guy was, you know, uh, a freak of nature. Uh, and again, you know, I hats off, kudos to 
you know, Ted Lasso for bringing in Zava, which yeah. was a hundred percent based on Ibrahimovic's character. Um, you know, and kind of introducing the world to uh, to more players and or America to to more players, not the world. Uh, you know, and I also think shows like Ted Lasso have really, you know, helped bring the soccer conversation into you know into the foray for most um, you know armchair Americans that didn't play the sport. You know, didn't really grow up around. It. I mean, my wife is not a sports person at all. Loves Ted Lasso. Um, probably knows a little bit more about soccer now than she did, you know, three years ago when, uh, when Ted Lasso was first introduced, not that she's going to go name all of the players, but I bet you, if you ask my wife, Hey, who is, who's Leo Messi? She knows exactly who Messi is, even though she has never watched, probably never watched him play. It will make people who have never even considered watching an MLS game watch an MLS game. It will make yes. people who never really thought about going to an MLS game overpay for tickets to go to an MLS game. I mean, he just oh, was, he was yeah. just the hero of one of the most competitive, exciting World Cups ever, including a, a huge played a huge role in the best soccer game I've ever seen. Um in that in that final against France, I mean, maybe there's been better soccer games. I'm I'm not I'm not going <laughs> to argue that with people. It's it's the most exciting soccer game I've ever seen. Yep. Um, and he played a huge role in it, and Americans watched it that day. And um, I just think it's a big deal. I'm not trying to make it a bigger deal than it is. I just think for for MLS, yep. it, is, it is a huge deal as we launch into the beginnings of the next world cup cycle. And that's the world cup coming to the U S in 2026 is yep. a big, big, big deal. And it's going to be in stadiums all over the country. And it's going to be something that captivates our country's attention. And it's, it's going, I, I, I just think this is a, like I guess mean, I'm just saying the same thing over. I, I thought it was a, a landmark earth shifting day for soccer in this country. Yep. And kudos for, for Beckham to, for being able to land them. And you're probably right. There was probably a huge MLS push behind that, but there was only a few places where he was going to be able to go. I mean, I love the culture at Nashville and, and Atlanta, but they, they're not going to land Messi at Nashville. Or Atlanta, no. even though both of those teams would beat the absolute breaks off of Miami without Messi right now. It's a, I think you're 100% right. I mean, South Florida makes the most sense for a guy from Argentina. What it might do, though, what I think it does do is it does make it easier down the road for Atlanta or Nashville to get a player, not of Messi's magnitude, right? But a player that has name value from Europe. Yeah. Absolutely. Maybe we'll get Jamie Tart. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I, I won't do any spoilers. I will do it real quick since we're talking soccer. Uh, I was very disappointed with the first half of season three of Ted Lasso, and I could not have been more thrilled with the second half of season three of Ted Lasso. The last three or so episodes were incredible. Yep. Yep. The last two were, the, I think, the best of the whole series, and the last one was... I choked yep. thinking about it. It 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 was great. 
Uh, I, 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 I cried for a half hour. Dude, well, and I know you and I talked about it when we talked about it last, where I kept saying, like, yes, this is a show. Um, this is a show about, you know, uh, about a lot of things, but it really is a show about fathers. And, dude, and that was – and being people fathering in different ways. And even, you know, I know that they, quote, unquote, called Rebecca the matriarch of the club. But, dude, she fathered the club, man. Like, that's – uh, I agree with you, and we won't do spoilers. Maybe we'll wait a couple weeks before we do that because I know Jennifer. Uh, she and I just watched the last. I've already seen them several times over and over again, but I watched with her the last six episodes while we were away, and um, and she had kind of just kind of fumbled through. I think she probably had a very similar experience to you for the first first six episodes of season three, where. A little bit tough. There's a couple of characters where I was kind of questioning, like, what, uh, what is their, what is their purpose? What was the point of them mm-hmm. being? Why did they take so much screen time and contribute very little? But it was probably subtleties that, as I go back and watch and dissect, that uh, I'll pick up. There's that show is so deep, man. There's so, on the surface, it's just a big dumb comedy, right? But it's just so deep, dude. Yeah, they. There was two or three episodes in season three where I felt like they were losing their way, um, and I still feel that way, uh, and and I think they did too because they deviated from that storyline. They just left it. Yep, um, just dropped it like the Jack storyline. I mean, just totally dropped that thing right on its face, which I was like, good. Couldn't understand it. Yeah, at, at the end of the day, there were a handful of characters that we cared about the most, and yep, and and they got back to them you know they yep. got back to ted back to rebecca you know um roy jamie roy, jamie nate there was, there was a scene with beard that i thought was brilliant that they saved until that yep i know exactly which scene you're talking about man was incredible it was yep. so it, it totally changed the way that i viewed him completely uh, I thought it was, and for them to save it for that spot, I thought was powerful. Um, yep. There's a, a, a scene. There's a scene midway through the final episode that was the shifter that was brilliant. And the way they shot it, uh, everything about it was really, really profound. And from that point forward, man, I was, I was gone. I, I, I was having a hard time. So, um, Anyway, it was good. It was really, really good. If you haven't watched it, it's worth watching. I know there are a lot of people that, because I heard them talk about it, and I, I agreed at the time that part of the way through season three, they're like, that's it, I'm done. I'm not watching it. It's worth sticking out. You, you, yep. if, you'll, if you'll get to it, they did a great job. I, that's what I'd love to talk to. If I could talk to the writers, the question would be, did you guys sort of sense that, hey, this thing – you're, you got away from where you wanted to go. You got away from your bread and butter and you went back or was that always the plan? The intent. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. All right. We'll, uh, we'll stop there. Hope everyone has a wonderful cool. weekend. Thanks for making us a part of your week. We'll be back uh, next Thursday. I think is the plan with summertime. So stuff will get weird, but uh, for yep. another, another episode of mine on my money presented by pinnacle. Don't forget. It's my pinwealth.com. M Y P I N N wealth.com for Martin Palomo. I'm Neil McCready until next time. Take care.